Hello, Monetization Nation. In the last episode with Rachel Haley, we discussed five ways to scale a business. Making goals, establishing priorities, communicating with our teams, focusing on our customers, and hiring the right people. In today's episode, we will continue our discussion on how to scale a business by going over how to delegate, how to hire the right employees, and a lesson we can learn from credibility marketing. One of the other tectonic shifts we talk a lot about, and I think this is the biggest tectonic shift affecting businesses today, is credibility marketing. Do you have any stories or secrets about credibility marketing you'd like to share? Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, that's the only way Claris Designs has really been able to survive was loosely credibility marketing. It's really just through word of mouth and referral but you know, we worked with a company right in the beginning of Claris Designs in 2015, and we had maybe like three competing offers to do consulting work for three different companies. And one of them was going to be taking up the most time to, to a point where we couldn't really, because there's only three of us, support the other two effectively. I and mean, we could have done it. it we just I would have known that our product would have been not as good as it could have been. And I, you know, my co-founder was really pushing us to do all three. And I said, you know, I think for, for now, when we get started, what we really should do is just focus on building a really good product. And let's pick the number one most complicated project that we can take and let's execute really well on that. And then in turn, I think that will pay dividends for us over the years. And I think this company, the one that we choose to engage with will then pay it forward. And that to, to me was like the best decision I could have made because we, we did a really good job. It was very hard. It was very complicated. We effectively lost money on the, on the engagement. It was you know, very early on. However, the executive team was so pleased with the results that you know, they offered to do testimonials for us, introduce us to their other tech partners. And then from there, we were able to kind of create this platform of, hey, this is what we've done these are the people that really benefited from us. And then it was like, everyone was actually marketing for us. They were, they were telling other people how great their experience was and bringing us into deals where they're saying, hey, you know, we're selling this software, uh, but they don't have a really good sales operations system yet. So in order for us to make the, the sale, we would need them to have these things in place. We hear that you did this really well for this other company. Can you come in and help us with this sale? And it grew from there. So focusing on a good product, servicing your customers well, I think will we'll always be a winning combination. It worked really well for us. What are the steps of scaling a business? I think it really, it depends obviously on your business model. I would say loosely though, in terms of scaling a business, I think it's like one, set your goal first. Like what are you trying to do? When you say scale, be really specific because the more specific you can be with your goal, then the less ambiguity there is in terms of executing that goal. So if it's like grow revenue, okay, great. How much do we wanna grow revenue? And how are we going to do that? So it's like, figure out your goal, figure out how you're going to get to your goal, figure out, do you have the people processes technology in place to get to your goal? And then if you do, great. How am I going to leverage and deploy those people or processes to really get to my goal? If not, how am I going to obtain that? And then stay maniacally focused on that one element of what your goal is. I think 
what people do is they too often is they try to focus on too many things and then that creates you don't do anything well, right? It's like the Warren Buffett quote where it's like, give me your list of the top 20 things you want to do in the next five years. Now cross off numbers 15 through 20 and that's your do not do list. I, I really live by that. So if you can just figure out one thing that you're trying to do and then make sure that you're ruthlessly focused on that and maniacally focused on that and anything that you're doing is really just helping you build or scale around that goal, then that I think that usually leads to success. I can talk more specifically if you have a question around, yeah, okay, we wanna grow sales in the New York metro area by 20%, how do you do that? I can go into details, but if you don't have that goal, you know, it, it's irrelevant how you do everything else. So kind of I a goal work that plan. <laughs> I love that quote you said from Warren Buffett where you prioritize your top 20 things, take your top five and focus on those and take your other 15 and don't just not do them, but put them on your do not do list. So you, you keep yourself from getting distracted onto those 15 things. Yes. I think that's really important because I think in the quote, he says something like, you know, the biggest threat to your number one goal or your top three goals is not necessarily a number 50 goal, but it's like your number four and five. It's something that's just almost as important, but not quite as important. And so you really have to practice diligence and, and stay focused and stay focused. Yes. I love it. Okay. One of my weaknesses is effectively delegating out to other team members. What advice do you have in the scaling process to be able to, to uh, delegate more effectively? That's a great one. I think a lot of people struggle with that and myself included and everyone I've worked with, I think at some point or another has really struggled with delegation. The way that I have always thought about it is you want to make sure that at any point in time, you are working on things that only you can actually do yourself. And it's best for you to be doing them, meaning not necessarily what you want to be doing, but what is best for the business to grow and propel it forward, that you own this. So for example, uh, a lot of the times with small startups, when there's a technical founder and he or she is also helping to sell the product, they'll be in every single sales call. And that's great because they built it. However, at some point or another, their time is probably better suited on figuring out how to continue to improve and scale that product from a technical perspective and letting someone else with sales experience really drive those customer conversations. So one is figure out that everything else you should really delegate to someone else. The process of delegation is a little bit tricky. This is where people get stuck because it's so nice when you just own it all and you can do it and know that it's getting done exactly the way that you want it to get done. I completely understand. However, it doesn't help you in the long run. It doesn't help with scalability. So I would say what you should do is if you do a particular task that you know you need to delegate and you've decided that you're going to delegate, write down exactly how you accomplish and execute that task, provide some type of documentation or overall framework in terms of training someone else on how you do it, and then teach that person how you think about it. It's like, okay, well, part of my role as this particular job in the company is I have to think about X, Y, and Z, and I do A, B, and C. So this is how I think about it, and this is how I do it. These are the exact same steps that I do in terms of executing it, but this is my perspective 
and my goal and how I think about getting this done. And then hopefully you can train someone to take it over and you've hired someone who's smart and can grow and sort of make it their own. And then they can offload it from your plate. Lastly, I would say, try to remove uh, your invested in personal interest into the execution of those tasks. A lot of the times when people do a, a certain set of things and then they're delegating them, when they delegate them to someone else, they're thinking, well, I didn't do it in that exact way. So can you do it in the way that I did it? Because that would make me feel more comfortable because I used to own this process for 10 years or however long. And so I would say, try to remove that expectation that this person is going to execute it exactly the way that you did, as long as they're getting the goal done and you know things are working well, you should remove that kind of anxiety and expectation of how it actually gets accomplished. I heard someone say that the, the best secret about being able to effectively delegate and scale your business is, is the 70% rule. And they basically said, there's nobody you could hire that's going to do it exactly like you would do it and exactly as good as you think you can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you can, if you can step back and say, I'm okay with it being done 70% as well as I would have done or is, and, and a lot of times it's just my perception because a lot of times those people will do better than I would have done, but right. they may not write that article exactly with the words that I would have used. But if I can step back and say 70% is okay and, and let go of that, this hundred percent level that they have to get to a, doing it at hundred percent as well as I would have, I think I would have done. Um, then you can scale, then it's okay. Then you're not the bottleneck for the growth of your organization. Is there any truth in that statement? I think that's a really good perspective. I will say that sometimes it's actually the opposite. They do it at 120%. Yeah, that's right. right. So it's not I've even like, the same thing, right? It's so like, yeah, absolutely. I think if they can do it 70% as well as you could, or even 50% to some extent, depending on what the task is and how important it is. If the goal is for you to completely work yourself out of a job, essentially, right? Because if the business can run without your involvement, I mean, that's really great. And you can work on truly strategic things if that's how you're always approaching the problem. So yes, I would absolutely agree that if someone can take over a particular role or project or task and they do it 70% as well as you can, then that's great. You should be able to live with that. Also, there's a possibility that you know they can do it better than you can. So yeah. are, is this really a strength of yours? You, if it's a weakness, you should absolutely be delegating that, right? Hire for your weakness, right. not for your strengths. That's how I've always approached it. And so oftentimes they can do a, have a better, more creative approach. It's happened to me the other day where I asked an analyst on my team to put together a particular document that we could share with a customer. And I had in my mind exactly how I would do it. And I was like, okay, she'll get it. She'll, she'll do that. <laughs> and then she comes back and is like totally different, but it actually worked way better. It was a more a better articulated and clearer way of putting together the yeah. data information. So I couldn't even actually have done it that well if I had tried myself. Yeah. And that's the idea, at least 70% of what we can do, but hopefully we find someone that can do a much better job than what we could do ourselves. So that's a great segue into the next question. How do we find the right people that will help us scale our company? That's a hard one. I don't know if I have that answer for you actually, because I still struggle with that. I think to the best of your ability, right when you're trying to hire, first figure out exactly the role for what you're hiring. Try to be as detailed as you possibly can and figure out what is it exactly that we want this person to do. 
Um, and what are their responsibilities going to be? And what does that person look like? And also, ideally, you'd have a framework for hiring, so like a rubric or a skill set of like, okay, what do we value here? Do we value coachability? Do we value aptitude? Do we value overall attitude, et cetera? How, what skills do they have today? What skills can they learn down the road, et cetera? So figuring out what it is that you actually need is, is the first step. The second theory that I have always lived by is just hire smart people and let them do their jobs. I think that that will still always hold to be true. So if you're hiring someone who's smart and has expertise in this particular area, you don't necessarily need to give them really good instructions. They'll just be able to handle it on their own. What are the most common mistakes that businesses and entrepreneurs make in scaling their businesses? The most common mistakes I see are ones we actually already discussed, which is great, but would be lack of delegation. I think that that, that creates so many bottlenecks and then companies just fall apart. In addition to not setting clear and concise goals and then maniacally focusing on them. So that will really eat you alive. Obviously I'm biased and I wanna say, if you don't have a great sales operations process, that, that will obviously be a scalability killer. But the truth is it nest, you know, not as much as the other two items that I, that I mentioned. So having good operations and execution is great, but it doesn't really mean much if you have someone who can't delegate anything and you also have a team that isn't aligned on what the goals are and where they're marching. Sure. You do a lot with sales operations specifically, like you just said. What strategies or advice do you have for developing an effective sales strategy? I would say, number one, understand your customer base as well as you can. Figure out exactly who it is that's buying your product, why they buy your product, and develop a really good story and understanding around that. So if you have, if your product is something that's sold to, you know, fortune 500 companies and it takes nine months, that's a very different strategy that you'll develop than a company who is, you know, B to C or even selling to small to mid-sized companies and they sell and the sales cycle takes, you know, one to two months. So really understand the value that your product provides to these customers and what they're getting from it. Learn from them as well as you can, and then build your strategy around how they're effectively using your product and the value that it provides, as opposed to just feature selling, I would say. For example, yeah. like we are a platform, a holistic solution to solve X, Y, and Z versus we have really great dashboards or this really good feature. You talked earlier in the interview about your customer retention and, the, and you've done a really good job of keeping customers on for six years. Uh, what are some of the tips and strategies you have for growing those loyal customers who want to stay with us over long periods of time? Listen, I'd say is the number one element. So if you're building a business where you have a really good you're focusing on building a really good product, right? You have a really good team internally and you're building a really good product. A lot of things naturally fall into place. With your customers specifically, they have really good insight generally in terms of feedback for you on what works well, what doesn't work well, what they would like to see, what they think is not necessary, et cetera. So 
you know, so you want to avoid having the tail wag the dog to the best of your ability. However, with that said, they're generally pretty insightful because they're the ones that are actually using your product. You know, as the creator, you think you understand how people are going to be using it, but you're not always the recipient of the product you're building. Not always, right? And so they can give you a perspective that you can't generate yourself. So if you listen to that and incorporate it to the best of your ability, I think that usually ends up with a really happy, satisfied customer, you know, deliver on the things that you're going to deliver on. So if you have a 24 hour SLA for all bugs that are logged, you know, make sure that you follow up on that. Or if you promise a feature to be released by a certain date, make sure that it's released by a certain date. Or if you just, you know, if they, they have a complaint and they, it's something that is legitimate, sit there and listen and to the best of your ability say, okay, well, you know, we apologize. Let, can we offer you a refund? Like, really work with them because again, they will really be able to make or break your, yeah. your company long-term. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, scaling a business requires delegation. We can't do everything on our own. Number two, to help with delegating, we can write down exactly what it takes to accomplish the task and create a guide for how to do that task. Number three, when delegating, we should remove personal interests in the execution of those tasks. We should focus on the output rather than focusing on their methods. Number four, when hiring, the first thing we need to do is determine exactly what we need. Number five, when hiring, we should look for people who are smart and have expertise. Number six, as we make customers our top priority, we will gain positive reviews and referrals, which will increase our credibility. Number seven, one of the best sales strategies is to listen to our customers and get feedback so we can understand their wants and needs. To learn more about or connect with Rachel, you can find her on LinkedIn or visit her website at clarisdesigns.com. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Get a free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. I would also be very grateful if you would comment on, like, and share this episode. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in scaling your business. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.